Roll it. Jealousy, envy, and pride is the biggest secretive sin in all of American ministry. Why are we doing this? What is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish with this? Uh, fear on both ends. There's a noble fear of people you know, being lost and a noble but a little more temporal fear of being, losing one's um, employment and one's family suffering. Hello, world. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast, the official podcast of Church Mag, your place for church and technology. With your hosts, Eric Dye, Jeremy Smith, and Phil Schneider, it's time to level up. But first, a quick word from this week's sponsor. Thanks, Larry. This podcast is brought to you by The Social Christian, a theological exploration of social media. A new book from Church Mag Press by me, Phil Schneider. That's right, folks. I can string words together occasionally. This new ebook will take you through uh, some theological premises and uh, ideas around how we use social media, how we shouldn't use social media, and how we can possibly redeem social media for the glory of God. Though probably not Snapchat. You can pick up a copy of this book from Church Mag Press. Thank you, Phil. It's time now to let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Day along here with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. All right. I got an email, guys. Pastor emailed me, and they were asking about a mobile app. And I haven't heard, like, the mobile app thing for quite a while. It's been years since that was the hot church tech thing. Mobile app. Everyone's got to get a mobile app. Get your church on a mobile app. Blah, blah, blah. Like, first it was church streaming, and then it was mobile app, and now it is probably mobile giving i would imagine as far as the phase or the fads there's there was probably church um content management systems were really really hot in there somewhere yes they were yeah so that's that's been kind of the trend i'm kind of curious to know what the next trend will be um because clearly we're going to trends but the point is is that we kind of get these fads this i don't know sometimes i feel like it's a church tech beehive mentality where everyone has to do the same thing and got to do the cool thing. At the same time, a lot of it's perpetuated like a pastor does something and they're like, Hey, that's cool. That church down the street's doing it. We should do it too. And it becomes this, this like contest or something. I don't know what the dynamics are. I have a pretty, I have a feeling that it's probably not healthy as far as the global church. And I'm walking on some seriously thin ice and I know that guys. So please get ready to grab me as I, as I sink in here. Like, gosh, well, your church mag, you guys are all about. I think your point here, we can side item real quick here. The drive from church a to add the same tech feature church B just added is, is true of every aspect of ministry because the most um, gospel kingdom oriented pastor in the world still has a board and tithers to answer to. And it's very easy to be discouraged and frustrated and to go for the quick victory, or especially if your board or tithers are like pushing you like, Oh, Hey, that church down the street is doing this. We should do that too. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to copy that church. I want to do our own thing. Well, they're doing that and it works for them. Well, great. I want to do our own thing. It, after a while, it's hard to keep pushing back on the kind of stuff. And, and let's not let's not overlook the fact that there's, you know, how many times you see, you know, we spent five dollars on this Facebook ad and we had through we had thirty new members. Like the appeal to that to a church that is struggling, which if the church is struggling, there's some core fundamental things that need to be dealt with. And just doing a five dollar Facebook ad is not the answer, right? That's just going to attract more people to your problems or the pastor who's having a hard time getting in to, to meet because. Because of tithing or the lack, you know, the, the, the bills are going up and the, the the congregation is going down and you're having a hard time meeting. So what do we do? What do we do? Hey, you know, this this giving app, this church giving app or this 
this mobile app promises you know better tithing or more tithers or whatever so let's let's do that let's that'll have a good roi we'll invest in that and then we'll get more tithing and that'll that'll solve the problem let's also let's also remember though that is such a thing called best practices which is kind of the the very idea church mag's built upon. right you know there are, there are some best practices out there so it's not it's not unreasonable for churches to all start adding mobile apps this absolutely time. but the question is did those churches need mobile right. apps? And that is the question that I wanted to wanted to bring up, or the point I wanted to bring up to you guys, is when a church or when you are approaching a new bit of technology, I think that a really big idea question that you need to ask is, what is the goal? Or what, now I have two questions apparently, what are we trying to accomplish? Okay, I'm gonna, I'll jump in. Yeah, so. Do not think about reasonable things. You should definitely consider going new and flashy. I got nothing, guys. He has no pushback? What the heck? We're definitely including that, though. Because that's just the point here. That's how, how nonsensical this is. And you know what? It's it's human nature, first of all. So, so we're, like, we're not jumping. That was anyone. awful. That was a terrible pushback, Jeremy. Go go back to your corner. Yeah, it's, it's nonsensical, Phil, but I'm pretty sure that we rationalize it to such a degree that we were blinded by it. Phil, even your church... It, it's inspired me because there are some things that you guys even tried that you stopped doing because you realize it wasn't benefiting. I mean, let's just put it like this. Like it, there's a human nature to gravitate towards the new and flashy, right? So it's difficult to say, no, I'm going to stick with the old and reliable. And if it's not reliable, I'm going to work and make it reliable again. So I have my MacBook Airs from 2012. Um, it's, getting slower the battery is getting weaker but rather than go out and buy a new one um which i didn't have the money for and i spent my birthday and christmas money on purchasing a, a, a what's thing called the tardisk which expanded my hard drive and made my computer much more usable again now i will say that i do not advocate churches letting stuff get in such such disarray or broken down that nothing works no, right, right. that's not the or, or to be so quote-unquote cheap that they're never willing to do anything or do anything well that's not worse that's not and what that's we're actually, saying at all just to be clear but where my church is at right now is that we built this new building 10 no now it's been i guess we finished the whole thing 12 years ago and so now we've got all this stuff that's that's 10 12 years old and starting to fall apart so our soundboard uh broke two years ago had to get it had to replace it had to get a new one and we weren't gonna and the one we had before we couldn't buy like technology it had been 10 years so the i the kind of soundboard we purchased is no longer even op you know out there so there was no like middle range option so we had to go a little bigger to get to get Without going insane, you're saying it's like it cost it cost us more by waiting longer. We could have got a, a middle range board before they went obsolete. If we purchased one five years ago or six years ago, we could have got a decent board that would have carried us ten more years. So we'd be five years into that soundboard and save more money. Um, our amps are are, are slowly going. Uh, we've had to, we've had to repair I think three speakers now because they were all purchased at the exact same time and there was no plan to repair them. All of our air conditioning units what, what, were bought. At the exact- what, what about uh, your church streaming? How has your your church tackled that? It's gone really well. We were slow adopters, but we found um, we found the <clears throat> we found the equipment we needed. We found the we need we've not bought cameras yet. We're still using loaner cameras until we sort that out and we can make sure we're that we're fully invested in this process. But um, we found the equipment we needed as far as like the actual the, um, scalar converter. We've got a process for getting the getting the videos and and, and 
um, converting them and getting the audio. We just finally um, were able to finagle a direct audio feed from our soundboard to the stream. So you're no longer hearing physical camera audio. You're hearing actual soundboard audio. So it's much cleaner. Um, but we're slowly, we're slowly improving it. Now, what, Rather than going whole hog or out, out the right, gate. And, and what is the goal for using, using this as an example? I know you always get guinea pigged. Every, every time we're talking about this stuff, it seems like <laughs> your church gets guinea pigged. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, what's, uh, what's their goal with that? Uh, the, the goal was to have something that people who visit our church website can see. So, like, for example, so I check in every week at my, um, on Facebook, and I oftentimes post the link to our our live feed and say, hey, I'm at church today, and we're talking about this, and it's great. If you want to tune in for a few minutes, click here. Um, and so people can check in and share that feed. We should probably do more with that now that we know the feed's good and it's reliable. We can promote that safely. But it's a way for people to visit our church without visiting our church. You know, majority of people will check out your website before they come see you online or come see you in person. It'd be great for them to actually see a service. Do, do you have any data on on how much it's being used? No, I'm not actually. I'm not in charge of that, and I'm trying to. As part of my personal health, I'm trying to just. I I do what I do. I do what I do, and so oh, we got a guy who does all the editing for the videos because well, we also then upload those videos to YouTube. So it's a, it's a dual thing. So now we have all of our videos from our sermons on YouTube, and we have a podcast and iTunes, and it's all it's just clean and easy, and we're using the stream to do two things and it works it works it pretty well but one guy is in charge of it and he handles it and he and the pastor know those things and i don't bother with it if there's a question later on hey we're finding out this data here what can we do with it then i'd be happy to help them but i'm not gonna go and create more work for myself right now Jerry, as somebody who does live streaming who does video editing who uploads videos etc what what are your thoughts on the 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 investment or the time investment for churches to do something like this? Like what, what do you think the ROI needs to be or should be in, in approaching this? Um, you know, I'm a, well, here's, here's a problem I see in a lot, a lot of church stuff, church tech fads. It's, it's people like one guy, one pastor, cause pastors meet, they go to conferences, they have meetings. If you're in the denomination, you might meet with pastors in that area. We, my town has a, pastoral uh, interchurch pastoral gathering uh, once or, or once a month or once every other month so pastors meet each other they see each other they talk they they, they swap stories and ideas and i think sometimes what happens is like once or, or once every two or three months go to a meeting and one pastor has that new pastor haircut <laughs> you know <laughs> or have that they have they, they have, oh ooh. could you imagine the first pat like like interdenominational pastoral meeting when someone shows up with the first ipad and they're all like, like, whoa, they go, yeah, and my Bible's on here, and I preach from this on the pulpit. Whoa, you know, can you imagine that? They blow, blow their minds. And they're all clamoring to get this thing or to do this thing, or worse, to find a cheaper way of doing it without actually buying the iPad. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. And I think that's a big part of it. So that's why, um, where was I at it a while back? But I, it's just... The uh, oh my, my my pastor was at a conference and he commented on how how galling it was at this conference to see all these youth pastors with with MacBook Pros and no reason to have them like they're not graphics guys they're not it's literally just the, their church bought them a laptop and they use it to do Facebook and to create permission slips for their pizza parties you know and like that's <laughs> a generalization but like. But because one youth pastor had a MacBook and maybe he needed it. I mean, he needed the MacBook Pro because he does a lot of iMovie stuff. He does a ton of Final Cut Pro stuff. He's heavy into that kind of thing. But all of his little chucklehead buddies <laughs> saw it and thought, that looks sweet. I need, pastor, I need one of these. 
And this is, that's how things go. It's human nature. And I think it's very, I think because in ministry, it's, a, it's kind of a high stakes game. If you're, if you're not, perform, if you're not performing to someone else's standards, is what, what that means, you're out of a job. But I, I think that's why it's a powerful thing to say, you know, why are we doing this? What, what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish with, with this? That's why things like mission statements and vision statements are so important because you can measure everything against it. So I will say this. I, having done youth ministry for eight years and then getting to interact with a hundred with a MacBook Pro, I might add with a MacBook Pro, yes. Um, <laughs> that I spent my own ministry money that I raised myself on. You know, you just you you ruined <laughs> the joke you there, Jamie. You see twice, what you did there? You? Gosh, <laughs> sucked all the fun right out. I also of it. got to interact with several hundred ministries, so this is not just my own isolated situation. I will say that jealousy, envy, and pride is the biggest secretive sin in all of American ministry. And can you imagine how much that affects the, ooh, I want that. Like, it is so bad that I wonder what Jesus would think about all the ministries running right now. Like what would be his reaction? Not that we're terrible scum of the earth, but would this be like a, what are you doing? Like, how can this be happening? Kind of thing. And the entire tech world is based off of ooh, new and shiny come by me. The reason Apple is so successful is you need to buy a new phone in a year. You need to buy a new computer in two years, even though the thing you're using right now is just fine. They literally, yes, for good reason, but they literally slow down your phone because they want to make sure that your battery performance is better, but don't offer a way for you to change out your battery because they want to make sure that you are able to get a new system. There's a whole marketing philosophy behind that that's been studied by business people over and over again. And I really, truly think that that's pervasive in the American church. I really, I kind of wonder what our overseas churches think of the American church with regards to those three things. Well, that is a whole can of worms right on its own. So we're not even going to touch that part because I I can't tell you. Um, and, and Jeremy, I, I think that that's why it is so important to measure the the why, to really question ourselves. Why are we doing this? Why is a very powerful question. Why why do we do this? Why are we doing this? And really explore that and think about that and figure out, you know, what, what your goals are. You know, take, for instance, you know, um, church streaming. When church streaming today, the, the cost for church streaming, I could see a lot of churches justifying that. You know, people can check on it or there's bad weather or in the cold and flu season, you know, you can let, let people stay home, and if they want to jump on, they can. If not, that's fine too. And having that offered is can be a, a real service to people. But the cost is not what it used to be. I remember when it first came out, it was hundreds of dollars per month to be able to put it on. When it first came out, it was probably a very foolish thing for a lot of churches to invest in and to work on because the cost was so high. Um, or you know, the mobile apps, or the even the mobile giving. I mean. The way everything has evolved and you're using your phone to make purchases, people don't write checks. It, it makes sense to have a, a mobile giving uh, set up for your church and making it easier for people to give. You know, and so it really just, you know, what's your heart? What What is your goal? Ask why so that, you know, when you get real serious about it, you think, oh, it's because I'm envious or I want something cool or I'm wanting opposed to 
getting the job done. But you know, it also could be, I think there's another side of this too. It could be an honest, but perhaps ignorant desire to do the best thing. So as an example of this, I'll keep it as vague as possible. A ministry organization that I know of that helps churches. Okay. Back in the CMHS, you know, trend. Okay. Let's, let's, let's say that was 2012 where CMHS is, was, that was a huge thing to get CHMS. Um, that this organization um, contracted with a CHMS to act as like an umbrella organization and to allow smaller churches to purchase a contract through them, get a better price and get access to this like well-known CHMS. It was terrible. <laughs> it was, I mean, I cannot express to you enough just how f- just deeply flawed the CHMS it was because the organization that did the contract was run by well-intentioned older people who had no understanding of technology, their staff, their tech staff. I will also say, I don't know them personally, but just based upon the decisions they made and the web design at the time was woefully under-trained and, and ignorant of any best practices in, in church tech and made this and made this call, and it was a terrible call, yeah, but from the absolutely. best of intentions. And, and, th- and that's a good point to bring up, Phil. This, you know, ho- hopefully this didn't come off too negative as a whole. I, I really hope the big takeaway is for us to think, you know, why are we doing this? You know, to ask the hard questions and even and, and to have the humility to say, wait a minute, maybe I don't know everything about this. Who, who can I ask in the general market, which I think is a huge thing that we can do as church techs. Look at the general market. Ask questions in the general market. You know, get out of the church tech circle, right? Figure out, you know, what is working in, in you know, well, what's working globally. I don't buy in that books sense. From, church, from Christian bookstores that cost 10 times more. I buy books from Amazon. Don't, well, don't, and don't I will buy church this. things. Buy a regular thing. I will say this. I loved how you put it initially, Phil, that you had tried something out new and ultimately it just did not work. And you're willing to go back and correct that. And so for the church that wants to try new things and be cutting edge um, to see how it can help their ministry, I think that's why a lot of church plants thrive is because they try some new stuff that older churches are not willing to do. And so I think that that's great. Um, but when you have that ability and understanding of course correction, I think that that's important as well. And it's also why church plans fail because they yeah. they think that you know what, let's just blow up the model and do do it all differently. Well, there are some things that churches have learned through hundreds of years of experience that that just work. So I think I think it goes both ways. I think what you said, Jeremy, earlier about about pride and jealousy. I think that's true. I think it's born not out of malice, but out of a deep sense, uh, a deep lack of self esteem and self assuredness among many pastors. Yeah, I, I think humility takes you a long way in this. You know, being humble, humble enough to say, "I don't have all the answers," and being humble enough to say, "You know what? We don't need the best of the best of but the I best." But I think the "don't have all the answers" part is there. The problem is, I think it's more of a, "I don't know what to do, and I'm afraid I'm failing at this eternal calling." And and so, not only are people people going to suffer from my failings, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to have no because like getting a job in ministry is not easy. If you if you change jobs, it's not that difficult. It's it's hard, but it's not that difficult. If you lose your job, it's incredibly hard to get another one. So I think it's there's a lot of fear there that motivates some of these bad choices. And fear on both ends. There's a noble fear of people you know being lost, and a noble but but a little more temp, more temporal fear of being, losing one's um, employment and one's yeah. family suffering. And, and while 
while you think, well, that's not really the case of a church tech, the pastor who's making the, the final decision, that that is on him or the deacons or the board or the elders or, or whoever is uh, who has more of a spiritual oversight of the congregation who is helping or making the final decision on these financial purposes. And you know what? I think that we should take it that serious, okay? Because when push comes to shove, the Bible calls us to, to take care of the widows and orphans, not to have amen, great amen. sound, great lighting, and a website that is mobile friendly. No, ironically, we actually, we have set up a ministry to <laughs> take care of orphans through our foster care camp. And we used to do a yearly Christmas gift to widows. I don't know how much it was, $7,500 per widow, which we had, we had like 40 widows on our rolls. Or we did last time we counted. The last time I heard the number was 40. That's a lot of money, right? You know? Let's just say it's fifty bucks. That's you know, it's two hundred dollars, or no, it's two thousand dollars. You know, just being sent. Well, a lot of these widows would just blow it on their kid, on their grandkids for Christmas, which is sweet. But hey, honey, your your house doesn't have heat, so we've changed the program up, and now um, once a quarter we get send guys out to go help repair widows' houses and stuff. We probably spend more money doing it this way, but it's but. The return is way better because now our widows aren't like sitting in, you know, nearly condemned houses. Right. It's certainly, you know, had you kept the old model, it certainly would have cut down on the number of widows over time. <laughs> I mean, it would have. And you know what? Here's the thing. Here's a here's the crazy part. No, this is this is we could discuss this later on. No one asked for us to change it. Our pastor just said, "I think we need to change this." If you'd like to join the fun, use the CMAG cast hashtag. Email us directly at podcast at churchmag or ask us a question that we might be able to answer on an upcoming podcast and at least sound like we know what we're talking about by visiting churchmag forward slash riddle me this. The Church Mag podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. It's a topic. We get to, it'd be pretty easy one to do quickly. Too. <laughs> yes, we all agree. <laughs> this will be fast because we all agree. Okay. Yes. All right, Jeremy, do you have any... Is there, is there a way of not agreeing? I'm sure you'll figure a way. I don't know. I mean... By the time you get to talk, you'll have a way to push back. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, here we go. 